privilege. Our special guest that we have tonight will be a special blessing to all of us. He's a married person with about three children and also sitting among the crowd. We are so privileged and we are so honored we have in our midst Lady Pastor Hesper, who is our special guest tonight. So she's going to share. We're not going to take much time here. We want to make sure by 8, 8.45, 8, 8.30, 8.45, we are done and we are closed. So by 8.30, should be done and if you have some few questions, please, we can go ahead and do so. Can you please come forward and occupy the front seats? Let's do so with all humility. Please, let's come forward and occupy the front seats. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. I'm so, so grateful. I, I thank God for this awesome privilege given to me this night. I don't take it for granted. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And before I go into a very short word I have for you tonight, I want us to kindly bow down here for a short word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we celebrate you tonight. We ask, we invite you into our midst. We ask the Father, come and minister to us. Give us a deep insight into your word. And let our relationships and our marriage never be the same. Even as we hear the word of God, help us to put it into practice. Let us encounter your peace as a part of human understanding in our relationships and marriage. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I thank God, my father in the Lord, I love him so much. And I thank him for this opportunity once again. I thank my spiritual mother, Malinda, too, as well. And I want to say a big thank you to my, my one and only sweetheart, Alfred, for the enormous support to me. I, I, I'm grateful to God for the books I've written so far, Lessons Learning in Marriage, making a lot of impacts in lives. I get phone calls every now and then. Yesterday, somebody sent me um, pictures from Lebanon about two uh, officers in Lebanon who have the books. And the, pa- the person who took the books to Lebanon actually cannot even read the book because this person took the book. And then he says, today he asked this person, but he says, Eric has come for it. This one come for it. So everybody is reading the books. And they send me pictures of those who are reading the books. And they are so enthused about the book. And I'm amazed what God is doing with it. And I get, keep on getting lots of um, requests to continue writing. So I'm still writing the third edition, which is coming up very soon. But tonight, I want to share with you some of the things I'm about to share or I've actually written about in my third book. I want to actually give you the privilege of hearing about the things, some of the things I've actually shared in my third book. And I believe that um, it would bring a great transformation to our marriages and to our relationships. Hallelujah. Um, I'm teaching briefly on how to make your marriage to work. You know, one of the wonderful things God has given to humanity is a marriage. It's marriage. It is something that God gave to us and it gives us a sense of belonging when you are in a relationship, when you have a spouse. It gives you a sense of satisfaction and belonging. It's a great gift that God has given to us. So even though we are blessed with marriages, um, we still lack the wisdom of what it takes to actually enjoy the union. 
we still lack it. So some some people have all kinds of perception about marriage. Some people are saying that marriage is a bad thing. Some because of their experiences or because of hearsay, they don't even want to venture into marriage. But you know, Bible says in Hosea four six that for lack of knowledge, people perish. Hallelujah. So it means that if you know, if you have what it takes to actually stay in marriage, you would enjoy your marriage. Hallelujah. And I, I, I thank God for the, for the wisdom he's given to me and the insights he's given to me on marriage. I want to share that all that I share with you in my books, it's not because I've read, I've read books on marriage or anything like that, but it was all based on how God took me through his word, the Bible, and took, it, took me through the Bible and actually transformed my marriage. There was no other book. The only book I ever read in my whole 17 years of marriage was the Bible. That was the only marital book I've ever read. And it used that to transform me and make me understand what marriage is all about. And some of the things that I have gained is what I want to share with you tonight. I want to begin by sharing with you the foundation, one of the pillars that we all need, one of the pillars of foundation of um, a wonderful marital experience. And the first thing is love. Today is Valentine's Day. So I want to talk about love. You know, you know, marriages are falling apart at an alarming rate because of lack of love. Love. People actually rush into marriage um, because they feel that they are in love. So they rush into marriage. But amazingly, the feeling of love that sustains us in marriage. It is the act of love that sustains one in marriage. Those who are can understand what I'm saying. Because when you enter into marriage and you feel that you love the person so much, after a couple of years, the person does things and they begin to get angry with the person. And sometimes you wonder how, how people divorce and you wonder how come they divorced. But they're not in love. They were in love. But what happened to that feeling? That feeling disappeared. What sustains one in marriage is the act of love. That is, that your deeds, what you do daily to show your love. That's what I want to talk about. You know, First John four verse seven to eight says that First John verse four, First John four seven to eight. If I can have that verse projected, please. First John four seven to eight. It says, "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God." And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. One of the things that has been faked or is being faked in our system now, in our generation now, is a fake love. Fake love. You know, there's love and there's love. I want to talk to you about the true love of God, which God demonstrates to us. That is what a true love, that's the act of love, what true love is. It is not based on anything, it is not conditional, it is not based on because you have money, or it's not based because you are pretty, or because you are handsome, or because you are hardworking. It's not conditional, it's, it's not based on anything. Bible said that even though, even when we were in our, in our sins, God still loved us. He loves us just as we are. Hallelujah. And that is the true love that I'm talking about. 
You know, oftentimes we enter into marriage and we enter into marriage with a feeling of love. But one thing that sustains marriages is the agape love of God. That love transforms the marriage. And you, you can only you can only apply or you can only use the agape love of God when you have fallen in love with God yourself. If you haven't fallen in love with God, you cannot love your spouse the way God loves you. You cannot relate to your spouse the way God relates to you. That is why sometimes people offend their spouses in marriage and then the other party is so, so hurt and cannot forgive. I remember I was counseling somebody online and the person said the husband has cheated on her with a very good friend has happened twice and they have a child and the lady was so bitter she's in jamaica and she was so bitter and said she's married for about 16 years but she still is very hurt she cannot forgive the husband even sometimes when they are making love she thinks about what the husband has done and then she just leaves because she she the hurt is still there and i told her that you know love your husband with the same love that god has for you if you can love him the way god loves you you'll be able to forgive him that's one of the things that transforms marriage. When we are able to relate to our spouses with the same love that God relates to us. There's no difference between the, uh, God loving us and we loving ourselves. Hallelujah. So if you love God, you'll be able to relate to your spouse the same way God relates to you. That's the amazing thing. One, one of the things that brings great transformation it's you being in love with God. Because when you are in love with God, it affects everybody around you. I remember sometimes, some years back, my husband used to do something that would hurt me so bad. And, and I, would, I would just cry and I would tell God, I'll forgive him because of you. I tell God, I forgive him because of you. So if you are in so much in love with God, you see that it transforms your marriage. It transforms the way you relate to your spouse. No matter what your spouse does, you are able to forgive the person. Hallelujah. This is one thing that is missing in marriages today. A friend of mine some about five years ago called me from London. And she was going through serious marital issues. And amazingly, I hadn't spoken to her for over 20 years since we finished school. And she said she was weeping in her room. And the girl said she should look for my number and call me. So she got me on Messenger on Facebook. And then actually I gave her my number and she called me. I was like, marital issues and a whole lot. She even though I was a pastor then. Marital issues, I'm like, you know what? Bring the agape love of God into your home. It makes a lot of difference. And after about a year, two years later, she called me and was like, that thing that you told me, it worked. That thing that you told me worked. The agape love of God, you are able to forgive your spouse no matter. One of the things that is happening in marriages, marriages are breaking up is unforgiveness, bitterness. That is what is breaking marriages today. But if you want to have a successful marital experience, listen, you must first be in love with God. You must fall in love with God. And when you fall in love with God, you'll be able to love your neighbor. You'll be able to love your spouse as yourself. You'll be able to relate to the person the same way God relates to you. Because God's love is so infectious. Are you understanding me? That's one thing that we all need to have. You know, when you love God, it is possible to love others as yourself. When you love God, it's possible to relate to each other with the true love of God. One thing I've come to realize is that your heart cannot be broken 
your heart cannot be broken if your God has it first. If God first has your love, nobody will hurt your heart. Nobody will break your heart. Nobody can hurt you. Because God in his own supernatural way, in his own infinite wisdom, is able to guard and protect your heart. Because you are his love, he always protects you. Hallelujah. And I want to say this to the singles. If you, if you, go, you want to go out with somebody, you know, choose somebody who has a stable relationship with God. Never be in a rush to go into a marriage or a marriage with anybody who does not have a stable relationship with God. If the person has a stable relationship with God, he can have a stable relationship with you. One of the things that got me so amazed, or maybe, maybe one of the things that got me so attached to my husband when I started to go out with him was that it was anytime I go and visit him in the house, every evening you'll find him listening to those times, um, one of the Bishop Dark. All the time, all every evening, you go to his house. He's always on the TV listening to this preaching. So before he will talk to you, he will listen to the preaching. Will laugh and then laugh and like, oh, how are you? How was work before he will talk to you? So he got me. And one of the thing is, he was one person who got me born again. It was through him that I became born again. Hallelujah! And amazing, I'm not a pastor. And he's not a pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. So fall in love with somebody who has a stable relationship with God. If the person is committed to God, he'll be committed to you. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope you've got something there. Okay. Can I continue? Do you have any questions before I go on? I want us to interact. Any questions before I go on? Do you have any questions? Praise the Lord. You said something like maybe you want to go into a relationship. Like you want to get married. You should involve yourself to someone that's attached to God. I guess I'm right. But sometimes change is what is constant. Sometimes you discover that someone has been there for a very long time. Even pastors, they do fall out of it. So sometimes you, you walk into a relationship because he's very much attached to God. But after some time, you discover that he or she is a different person. So what comes? You know what? When somebody is genuinely in love with God, it's hard for the person to fall apart or to fall away from God. When the person is genuinely in love with God, the person is, is committed to God in every way. Such a person is not like living a double life. If somebody was living a double life, I can say that I can vouch that the person can 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 sway. When even after marriage, the person can sway. But when a person is so committed to God, when with his relationship, with his friends around him, the friends around him or her are all Christians. They are always in church, committed. You hardly, such a person hardly falls out of church, even after marriage. And such a person doesn't, unless a person is in the church but living a double life. You can find a person going out on the beach. The person goes, goes to church, dresses differently. He comes out of church. He's a different person altogether. They live a double life. Such a person, you marry the person, you are deceiving yourself because the person is not really committed to God. But a person who has really fallen in love with God would never fall out of love with God. Hardly. Hardly. So it, it all comes by you studying the person and getting to know this person really, really, really. It's the person is really, really into God. This person's, all, the person's attention and focus is not because of he or she wants something from God, but it's committed to God. 
It's like, my well man is like, he's so much in love with God. Hallelujah. Did I answer the question anyway? Okay, let me continue. The other thing I want to talk about is wisdom. Wisdom. One of the things that we need, I, I mentioned in my next book, is wisdom. You know, one of the things that frustrates people in marriage is lack of wisdom. Oftentimes, we enter into marriage and we enter based on our own intellects or our own experiences or what you think you know or the experiences you have gained in your relationship. We enter into the marriage with the same perspective and then we get frustrated in marriage. Marriage is a different ball game altogether. It's not like a relationship. It's a different ball game altogether. And to be able to to survive in marriage, you must have the wisdom it takes to marry and stay married. You know that we have all kinds of wisdom. But the wisdom you for, for, for academic wisdom, business wisdom that you, you have for academics, you cannot apply the same wisdom in your marriage. It won't work. The wisdom that you have in your business will not work in your marriage. So we have wisdom in every area of our lives. We have all kinds of wisdom. And one of the wisdom that we all must strive to have is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God enables you to know what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. Hallelujah. Oftentimes, couples are so unhappy and burdened in marriage because they try to marry based on their own intellect. And they end up getting frustrated. You end up getting frustrated. People are so frustrated and unhappy in marriage. But I am telling you tonight that if you, God gives you the wisdom for marriage... You will enjoy marriage. Because listen to this. He will tell you or show you how to stay married to the person that you have. Sometimes you know what? You go out to somebody for a couple of years and you think that you know the person so well. But after marriage, you see that, ah, this person has changed. When we were going out, I didn't see this character about you. This person has changed. The person has not changed. But that's who the person really is. Let me tell you something that even our parents don't know us that well. Our parents who brought us up, who cared for us till we grew up, they don't know us. Because when we grew up, our our whole idea of our perception for life and everything changes us. So sometimes our parents don't even know us. Let alone the man or woman that you have met for two, three years. How, how, How well do you think that you get to know the person in two, three years? So you marry thinking that you know the person so well. And you use that perception into marriage. And you enter into marriage and you are frustrated. One time, an old a, a pastor friend of mine, who is actually my husband's very good friend, an old schoolmate of his, told me that. You're the only one who can live with your husband. You're the only one who can marry him. And I said, why? I said, that man, he's a very tough one. And I said it's because I asked God for wisdom. Because when I got married to him, I was, it was, it was a very tough journey. At the point I thought I'm backing out. It was very, very because we we're like two different people, you know. But I asked God that show me how to stay married to him. Show me how to be able to stay married to him. And God showed me. And one of the things that we sometimes we lack in our marriages is that, is that we, don't, we don't ask God to tell us how to be able to live with the spouse they've given to me. Show me how to live with this person. 
That is the wisdom that you're asking God for. Hallelujah. So no matter how difficult the person is, you'll be, you'll be able, because you are, the, you are the wife or you are the husband, you will know how to live with the person because you have asked God for wisdom for you to live with that particular person. In Proverbs 3 verse 19. Bible says, Proverbs 3 verse 19. It said, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. The Lord by wisdom created the earth. And by understanding, he established the heavens. It means that all our marriages are a form of creating. They're They're trying to create a home. We're trying to create uh, a family. We're trying to keep the family together. We're trying to create. And the Bible said that God, who is the Lord of heavens and earth, he created marriage or he created the earth by wisdom. In Proverbs 24 verse 3 to 4, it's also but that's what I'm trying to say. Proverbs 24 verse 3 to 4. Proverbs 24 3 to 4. It says, through wisdom as a house is built and um, by understanding it is established. Verse 4. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Hallelujah. It means that, listen, you cannot marry without asking God for wisdom. God may show me how to marry. Show me how to stay married. Let me tell you something. There is no formula for a happy marriage. There is no formula anyway. If anyone tells that I'm going to give you 20 steps, I'm going to give you five steps to have a wonderful marriage is lying to you. Every, what you need is the word of God. What you need is the wisdom of God. If God shows you how to marry, you'll be able to stay married. Hallelujah. But if you lack that wisdom, if you lack the knowledge of knowing how, let me tell you something. That, that, that idea or my understanding of marriage or how I've been able to live with my husband might not work for you. Because his character might be different from your spouse's character. True or false? That's how it is. It's different from his character and my character. But the thing is, God must show you specifically how to stay married to the person that you have as a spouse. Because he knows the person before he was even born. He knows the person inside out. Or he knows how the person is like. He knows how, you know, God knows it. I remember some time ago, everything was kind of fine at home. And one morning my husband gets up and he was like, oh, Moody, he was so angry. He left the house. He didn't greet me. He came to meet me in the morning. I have my devotion. Normally, he would say hello. It's saying good morning. Come and hold me or something. But this morning, he just woke up, got up and then just left the house. It was early. Now, he went for a walk. He came back. I'm like, ah. the, the atmosphere was had changed. I'm like, why? What's happening? Because nothing had happened. We're all fine. The kids came to sleep in our room. We're all together. We laughed. We played. We slept. In the morning, his mood has changed. So I just asked God, well, Saturday when I asked God, Father, what's wrong with my husband? Can you show me how to turn this or change his mood? And God said to me that your bedroom is messy. He doesn't like it. He got up in the morning, was trying to get up the room, the whole room is the kids have messed up the whole room. So go up quickly, clean up the entire place. By the time he gets back, his mood will change. 
and was Saturday morning before I had to go, I went to the room, cleaned up everything, cleaned the whole place up. He came up as usual, walked straight to the room. And then when he came out again, his countenance has changed. It was like, where's your car case? Let me go and start the car for you. And like, when you go to, don't keep long go. And I'm like, hey God, you are awesome. I could have gotten angry because I didn't understand why his mood had changed. But God showed me how to change his mood. Sometimes we get upset with our spouse because we don't even ask God, God, show me how. How? How? How do I handle this situation? How do I handle, handle this uh, situation? God, tell me what is going on. Sometimes we become so upset with our spouse because we don't know what the person is going through. Hallelujah. So it is very, very important that in our relationships, in our marriages, no matter what confronts you, ask God, show me how. In asking God how, you are asking for wisdom. You're asking God for wisdom. Marriages are failing, but your marriage must not fail. Hallelujah. Your marriage must not... I always tell those I counsel that, listen, if you bring that kind, that thing, that demon called divorce into your family, if you bring that, the demon called, that separates relationships into your family, it will just run, it will not run through your line. There will always be a divorce in your line. So as much as possible, don't bring that spirit into your home. Hallelujah. So everything you always have to ask God. Sometimes too, we make the mistake of because we are frustrated, we end up washing our dirty lady in public. Telling this person and telling that person and we, 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 we are frustrated. We don't know what to do and we will not pray about it. We are just asking and we are telling, telling everybody. So you end up telling people about your issues in your marriage. And that's a mistake we must never make. One, one lady called me was like, um, the husband was worrying her, so she called the, the mother and was telling the mother that this time you've made a very big mistake. How dare you call the, the guy's mother? They didn't know the attachment between the mother and the son. No matter what it is, he's not going to stand by you. Hallelujah. So you tell God to help you deal with the issue. Amen. And uh, any question before I go on? Any question before I go on? But before I, I want to end this, you know, let me talk to you about how to gain wisdom. How to gain godly wisdom. In James 4 verse 6. James 4 verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, God says, God resists the proud, but give grace to the humble. There's no way that you can ask God to give you wisdom and he'll give you wisdom till you humble yourself to him through his word. You can gain wisdom to stay married and stay married if you humble yourself to God. If you like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know what I would do. I know I'm always right. You know, I have this page on Facebook, Lessons Learning Marriage. Amazingly, I have about 110,000 people following me on Facebook all over the world. And sometimes you post lessons, I mean, words of wisdom. And sometimes the comments that comes up, people have just tuned their mind that I'm not going to take what you're saying because this is my perception about marriage. So I'm not going to take what you're saying is just, excuse my language, just bullshit. I'm not going to take it. Sometimes very, very nasty. So they're like, they, they, they're like, they are scorned. They scorn the word of God. Because of, of, of their own perception. If you think that you, are, you, are, you know, God cannot show you. 
If you think you know how to stay married because you think that you have been in relationships and you have you are so good at an expert relationship, God cannot show you how to marry. But if you humble yourself, if you tell God, I don't know, I want to know, He will show you. Hallelujah. So to gain knowledge, you must humble yourself. You can never marry this. There can never be a, 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 a wonderful marital experience without humility. It will not happen. It cannot happen. Hallelujah. Any question before? I want just one or two questions before I go on to the next point. Any questions? Are you learning something tonight? Are you learning something tonight? So we need to ask God for what wisdom. You can take your notes and then maybe later on you ask me questions because of time. The third thing that I want to talk to you about that also brings a wonderful marital experience or makes your marriage to work is accept your spouse as he or she is. Don't try to change the person. You'll be frustrated in marriage if you enter into marriage trying to change your spouse, trying to change who the person is. Accept the person as he is like that. This is how the person, this is how this is who God gave me as a husband, or this is what God gave me as a wife. Amen. You frustrate yourself if you try to change the person. Because listen to this no one has the ability of changing any human being except God. Only God can change a person and he will change them through his word. I can take Malinda to church. I can't force her to accept Christ. There's a saying that you can take a horse to the river, but you cannot force it to drink. You can't force the horse to go to the riverside, but as to the drinking, is the horse decision to, to drink or not to drink. Hallelujah. So don't enter into marry thinking that I'm going to change my spouse. I'm going to change my spouse. I'm going to, this thing about him or her, I don't like it. I'm going to try and change him. You can't change a person. If you do that, you frustrate yourself. Accept your spouse as they are. Accept the person as he or she is. You know, and accept their shortfalls and embrace their strength. So accept that you are weak at this point or you are weak at this side. And accept the fact that you are very strong at this side. And amazingly, when anytime you always think about the good side of a person, it enables you to embrace the negative side of the person. Sometimes when my husband is doing something I don't like, I remind myself of the fact that he's a good man. He loves me. He does things that nobody can do for me. He's one person who loves me genuinely. So I remind myself that this guy is so, so caring. He's so protective. Look at what he does for me. Look at what he continues to do for you. And like, when I think about these things, it overshadows the negative side of him. And you must love the person as they are. Love the person as the person is. Accept your spouse as he or she is like. And love the person as he is. It's, it's called contentment. You are, con- you are content with the person no matter how they are like. So even though you are not perfect, I accept you that this, this is who I am fully in love with. This is who I am married to. This is who I have as a spouse. So I, I take you like that. You know, sometimes, you know... Um, it's a saying that the devil that you know 
is better than the angel we don't know. Sometimes we enter into marriage and because of lack of because of discontentment, we end up comparing. Always you compare your spouse to this person. Ah, look at this. Uh, um, you are not doing this. You're not doing that. And my husband is doing this. Or this wife is doing this. You're always comparing. You're always comparing. What people hate is comparing. Repetitive complaints. You're always complaining. Whereas somebody who is not content, you always end up comparing and complaining. And it's one thing that kills the, the, the spirit in the person. Hallelujah. If you have a child and the child is, um, is not as you expect, the child is maybe the other kids are intelligent. This particular child is not intelligent, is not putting any effort in. Will you disown the child because he's not as you expect? I mean, I'm asking a question. Would you disown the person? What will you do? What will you do? You accept the child as they are. You know, you must be able to accept your spouse as he or she is like. Sometimes I, I used to, I, I, I have this ache with my husband. I'm like, hey, what are you crossing you? And no romantic at all. My husband is not romantic. And then you tell him, this is who you got. <laughs> this is the person that you got. So accept me like that. You know, and then we laugh over it. You must accept your spouse as they are. Because listen to this, we are all not the same. The fingers that we have even on our hands are not the same. Our teeth are not the same. They're different, different sizes and different, different length and shapes and everything. So you must accept your spouse as they are. In Philippians 4 verse 11, Paul says something there that really touched my heart. Paul said that Philippians 4 11... It's not that I, f- I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Hallelujah. If you're not content, you will be unfaithful. But if you're content, you'll be faithful. Amen. So you must accept your spouse as they are and, and, and um, embrace them as they are. Love them as they are. It's one thing that really works and brings great magic to marriage when you, you are content with who you have as a spouse. Hallelujah. It really works like magic. It works. When you, are you, no matter the person's shortfalls, you, 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 this is who I have. I, I like it like that. And sometimes you forget the fact that we are, we are all not the same. We are different in, in character. Maybe Malinda may have a good side, but a negative side about her. And that negative side, it will not suit my husband. Will not my, I will not like it. But when it comes to pastor, pastor too is content. He's okay with it. Hallelujah. So who you have, you must be able to embrace the person as they are. It makes one feel very loved. and one, one feels very, very cherished. When, they are, when you love them, despite their faults. Hallelujah. The next point I want to share with you is that appreciate your spouse. If you want to have or you want your marriage to work, if you want to enjoy marriage, if you want to enjoy your relationship, who you have as a person, appreciate him or her. You know, do you know that appreciation brings out the best in people? Do you know that? When somebody always appreciates what you do, it's always coming when you're at work and then your boss is always said, hey, what you done well, oh, 
you, you, there's this excitement when you are commended for what you are doing, and then you always want to do more. So if it was, hey, you are doing very well, you find yourself like you're working late. You, you don't when you close, you don't even go home. You're not in a hurry to go home because you want to work and please your boss, and you're you're, you're, you're doing more. That is what appreciation does. But oftentimes in marriage, you realize that couples sometimes complain a lot. But I've come to learn that complaining brings the worst out of people and compliments brings the best out of them. So if you see something bad about me and you're always complaining, complaining, you're not helping me. But when you appreciate what I do and you're always encouraging me, oh, thank you so much, doing very well, you, you help me to become a better person. That is how you can change a person. Amazed that's how change comes. You can't change a person by your repeated nagging and complaining and you know, but you commend, you appreciate what the little the person does, appreciating it, valuing it. It makes the person wants to do more. So if for example your husband is not giving you chop money, even another thing is getting out of the system. I don't want to talk about it tonight. <laughs> it's getting out of the system because things are changing. You know, those in the olden times where our mothers were not were how they were housewives. That's when they were giving them chop money. But in this current, in this modern world that we are in, that thing doesn't really work. So let me go back into the olden days in the sixties. If your husband is not giving you chop money and you're complaining, you're complaining, and you think chop money is not enough, it's not going to change it. But even if he gives you a hundred Ghana CDs, and like, oh, thank you, and he make do with it, he's the way he was, you know, the, the ways of saying thank you. They said thank you, and they said thank you. You know, that thank you, you say it in a way that the person is touched. So sometimes people do it to me. I, I, I give a gift to some people, and then the way the person will say thank you, you, you wish like go to your wardrobe and bring everything out and give it to the person because the person shows so much gratitude. That is what appreciation does. If you want to bring the best out of your spouse, listen, don't take what they do for granted. Even if the person lives up to his responsibility, for example, the person pays the bills, the rent, he pays the rent, he pays the light bill, he pays the water bill, he pays the children's school fees, he cooks, your, wife, your husband, your wife cooks food for you, learn to say thank you. Because you don't know what the person going through to do what he or she did for you. Hallelujah. So oftentimes in marriage, we tend to take our spouse for granted. And seriously, sometimes it affects them. It affects them. One of the things you must learn to do is appreciating every little thing your spouse does. You know, one thing my husband does every morning for me that I love so much, every morning he starts my car for me. And I, I, I think for the past two or, two or more years, I've never bought fuel. He's always buying fuel for me. And I'm like, hey, Thank you, you're darling. You and I give him raps. I give him raps, and then by the time I come back from work, sometimes Saturday, he has washed my car for me. Hey, I can't lie, Baba. You know, because of how I say thank you, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Thank you. And then when you do that, amazing. Let me tell you something. Sometimes even I'm I'm coming from work in the evening. Sometimes I he gets home before I do, and he'll call me and ask me when you come. What do you want to eat? I want to do something. What do you want to do? What should I prepare for you? It all comes through appreciation. You know, the little person is doing, but if I kind of tell you something about 
15 years back, the kind of thing that cut this man, eh? Hey! That this man has changed like that. Hey! The secret is appreciation. Appreciating the little the person does. You know, not complaining. But, you know, when you do that, you bring the best out of the person. Hallelujah. So whatever little your husband, your husband, your wife cooks food for you on the table, sister, thank you so much. Sometimes the men will just eat the food and then push the plate aside. You know, you don't know the kind of stress that she was on her feet, cleaning and sweating. And then you just eat the food. Sometimes you eat the food. Ah, the food cries. You said that it was too light. That there's no salt in it. You know, it, it just breaks them because you don't know what the person has gone through. Am I speaking to somebody? So please, every little thing your spouse does, listen, appreciate it. Value it. Please value on it. Because what you don't value is somebody's prayer topical. What you don't appreciate, what you don't even notice in your spouse is somebody else's prayer topic. The person is praying that, oh God, let my husband do it. Let my husband even give me a Tangana CD. Let my husband even do the small thing for me. Hallelujah. So please, let's learn to say thank you all the time. And say the thank you well. Mean it. Hallelujah. Mean it. In your relationship with your, your girlfriend, whoever you are courting, please learn to appreciate the person, whatever little thing the person does. Always say a genuine thank you. You know, I love this about him. I'm not trying to be making his head big, but oftentimes out of the bloom, he will just call you. If you thank you so much, eh? thank you, thank you. And like, I'm like, for what? I'm like, thank you for everything. And it, it makes you feel like, oh my, wow. wow. And that's one thing I learned from him. Seriously, I learned that thing from him. Let's clap for him. Abba. <laughs> Hallelujah. So please, from today, don't take your spouse for granted. Whatever they do, appreciate it. Amen. And the next thing I want to talk to you about is about. Being happy as a person. Being happy as a person. Sometimes you enter into relationships, you enter into marriage, and you're expecting your spouse to make you happy. I've come to learn that you can't, nobody can make you happy if you're not happy as a person. Sometimes people are married and then they, they, you see them and nobody has to tell you that they're going to marital issues because their face, their body language tells a story. Listen. You cannot be happy in marriage if you are not a happy person by yourself. Bible says in Nehemiah 8 verse 10, the last part, it said that they, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Listen to this. You cannot give what you don't, what, you cannot receive what you don't give. You can't be you can't be a happy person if you know psychologically emotionally you're not a happy person within. You, you you're not happy person within. Nobody can make you happy. Learn to be a happy person by yourself. Joy is found in the Lord, not in material possessions or circumstances or earthly possessions. Joy is found in the Lord. When you are a happy person, no matter what befalls you, no matter what you go through, no matter what you hear, you are just not bothered about any circumstance around you. You are just happy within yourself. And amazingly, it ends up affecting everybody around you. I want to try something. 
I want to try something. No, leave, 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 leave. <laughs> wow. Listen, this man is a stone. He's a stone face. He was not even laughing. Listen, what I was trying to do is that when you are laughing, when you are happy, it ends up affecting anybody we come to contact with. So if the person has frowned, no matter how the person has frowned, because you are smiling, the person smiles. That is what joy does. No matter how the situation around you. If you decide that you not allow anything to bother you, it ends up affecting every, everybody and every situation around you. If you keep a joyful spirit. Hallelujah. You are able to sail through challenges of life. You are able to sail through problems that confront you in marriage. You, you, because you, you don't make issue out of everything. You don't worry about anything. You don't allow anything to bother you. Because you have set up your mind that I will not allow anything to bother me. So I'll keep a, a positive or a, a positive attitude of being joyful always. And that is one thing that would change your marriage. If you learn to be a happy person by yourself. So even if your spouse is cheating on you, you're not worried. Oh yes. Oh yes. There was one time I told my husband this. It was one time he he thought I didn't love him. I'm like, listen, today, when I come and meet you even in your bed, another woman, I don't even care. Because me, where my heart is, it it, it is so much I'm so I, I will not allow anything to bother me. That is how I have set up myself. And listen, one amazing thing is that it makes you a very healthy person. It makes you sail through challenges of life. Sometimes you see somebody who is going through issues upon issues and the thing doesn't even tell upon the person. Because when you look at the person, it doesn't even show on the person because the person has decided I will not allow anything to bother me. Hallelujah. That is one thing you can do to change your mind. You change your, your, your environment. You change everything around you. You must be a happy person by yourself. If you do that, you end up affecting your spouse. So they say, you and your spouse, you're both a happy person individually. What will happen to a marriage? No, what will happen to a marriage? If individually, let me have, do we have any couple here? Any, any married man and woman? Is your husband around? No. Portia, your husband is around? 
Please come. I want to say to you. Let's clap for them as they come. So we have our sister and our brother here. And Portia has decided that she's a very happy person as an individual. And the, brother, the, uh, the husband has decided that me too, I'm a happy person as an individual. So what do you think will happen to the two of them? Happy married because he doesn't allow anything to bother her. She also doesn't allow anything to bother her. They, they, they live like, they don't make issue out of everything. They don't, you know, let me tell you something. When you are a happy person, you will look offenses. True or false? True or false? When you are a happy person, you, you won't make issue out of everything. That is the attitude we need to have. Thank you so much. Please can I take a seat. You don't make issues out of every little thing because you set up your mind that we are going to be a happy people by, by ourselves as individuals. Amen. And the last thing I want to talk to you about is that one of the things that also brings transformation to our marriages. It's the last thing I want to talk before we go on to um, discussion, well, discussing what I've said so far is that do the things that keeps the love, fl- the love flame alive. Do you know that love can go cold in marriage? Do you know that sometimes in marriage it can get boring? Oh, no, not answering me. You don't know. Okay, those who are, I'll let me speak on those who are in relationships. Yeah, if you're in a serious relationship, okay, those who are, how, how many couples do we have? How many, how many are here who are married? Let me see by hand. Sometimes that doesn't, that doesn't get boring. Oh, I want you to be frank. Nothing to get boring. It gets boring, right? It's not part of it. It should not be part of it. It's not, it should not be part of it. That we are talking about how to make marriage work. How to keep the love flame alive. Sometimes we allow, if you light a fire, and you leave the fire there for a long time, what happens to it? Well, let me tell you something. One something time ago, my husband will tell you. For a while, I was very quiet. I come from work, go straight into the room, watch them go and sleep. And it was going on for some time. It was asking me, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And I was like, I'm bored. Because life in itself is stressful. Work, home, church, home. Bucket, cook, clean, sleep, wake up, go. It's like a routine. No, no, nothing to make it like our life is like one whole thing that keeps on repeating itself life listen let me tell you something we only have marriages whilst we are alive there's no marriage after death in heaven there's no marriage day hallelujah so if you don't keep your marriage alive what are you doing and this is one of the things that actually causes people to to flirt we don't keep our love flame alive Sometimes we get married. We are, you, are, you are in when you are in love. It's even nicer when you are in love when you are dating, because you you know the things that you do. You always you always are in love. You always feel the person, and you are. But as soon as you get married, kids come in, and then after a while, the marriage becomes boring. Because sometimes the things that we used to do before we were going out, we stop doing the things when we get we get married. What are some of those things? 
calling each other frequently during the day. Sometimes the husband and wife you don't even tell the whole day that you meet in the evening as to what is going on during the day as to how are you how are you how is work we don't even know anything until in the evening when the person gets home we don't even call each other true or false oh am i lying true or false sometimes we don't even surprise each other with gifts we only do it on valentine or uh, christmas or christmas class sometimes or a birthday cry sometimes. Hallelujah. But when a person is going out, when you're going out to the person, amazingly, we give gifts. Once in a while, you just go and buy sweets, go and buy ice cream, or let's go and do this and surprise a person with gifts. But when you get married, why is that we stop? Some of the things that we also stop is that going for walks each other. Thank you. Going for walks each other. Going for walks together as a couple. And sometimes taking a stroll together, going for a walk, we stop all those things. But sometimes when we are co- when you are courting, you go and call him or her. Let's go for a walk or let's go for a ride, and just drive around and come back. But when we get married, those things that we stop. And what are some of the things? What some of the things that we stop? Come again. What some of the things that we stop? I want us to remember. What's some of the things that we stop doing? Mm-hmm. Day, day, what's that? Hey, day. We're puffing together. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we stop, we stop all those things. Hallelujah. I can't <laughs> Sometimes, even using pet names. You know, sometimes it's amazing when somebody will call a husband daddy. Oh no, oh, 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 oh. You call your husband daddy. You call your, I, I mean, you are not romantic at all. It's sweetheart. My husband didn't used to call me, you know, babes. He didn't use to, nah, nah, nah. Oh, Christ, you so shaking in my home. And then I, I started doing it. I started doing it. I was always calling babe, babe. And then, hey, one time call me, babe. Hello, darling. Hello. Hey, Kweku. <laughs> you know, listen. One of the things that brings kind of spice into the marriage is when you call each other with pet names. Have a pet name that you call your spouse with, particularly the name nobody calls the person with. Hello, baby, dearie, darling, sweetie, honey boo. You know, pumpkin. You know, sugar. You know that kind of. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It always, you know, keeps love alive. Pastor is laughing. Hallelujah. <laughs> and also, you know, as a couple, sometimes too, we even stop kissing. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you only leave kissing for only when it's action. Hallelujah. But let's tell you something. Kissing your spouse every now and then, it acts kind of spice. It always keeps the love aflame. Amen. Your wife is in the kitchen cooking. You go and hug the person. You hold her at the back. How are you? It kind of, it keeps, it keeps the love. I hope you know what I'm talking about. It keeps the love aflame. Hallelujah. And also complimenting each other. You know, sometimes our wives will, will dress up or your husband will dress up. You don't even say, oh, you're, you're, you're looking funky. You're looking nice. You don't even say it. We, the woman, sometimes we want to hear it. Because when they give birth one, two, 
your tummy, your shape, everything changes. Your tummy becomes bloom. Your breast drops. Everything. So when your husband doesn't say you're looking beautiful, you feel that you're not beautiful. You, you, am I lying? So please, always compliment. Let's compliment each other. Wives compliment your husband. Husbands compliment. The only person who can tell that your wife or your husband that you're looking nice, you're looking sweet, is yourself. I like the way you're dressing. And I imagine when to cut it, I'm like, hey, babe, I like your haircut too. It's nice. And like, wow, you look thank you. Hey, Charlie, Charlie, I'm checking. I'm checking. You know, it, it keeps you know. But sometimes we leave all these things out of our marriages, especially telling each other, I love you. When was the last time you said I love you? Let me ask. Uh, when was the last time you said I love you to your wife? Eh? What's your kind? I said I love you. Okay. Hey, I say. Hallelujah. What? Tell your husband. Sometimes send text messages. Sometimes flirt with your spouse. Hallelujah. Flirt with your spouse. You don't know, understand what I'm trying to say. Flirt with the person. During the day, just send text messages. I love you, sweetie. How are you? You know, I can't wait to see you. I'm missing you and stuff like that. And let me chip this in there. Well, sometimes when your spouse even gets home in the evening, the way you welcome the person, it's at spice words. Sometimes your husband will get home in the evening. Why is it that one thing? You behave as if you didn't hear that he's at home. You will hear that he's he blows the horn. You are in the kitchen as if you have not heard. You know, I visited a friend of mine in London, and then I was amazed at how she would. Every evening when her husband comes, she will run and go and hug the person. Bay, I miss you. I'm like, wow. So when I when I care, I started doing the same thing. Because <laughs> sometimes you trouble and come away when it comes, you blow the horn now. Oh, my. <laughs> you come home and I was sitting there watching TV and like, me and I, you know, you know me. what should I do to you? You know? I won't mind you, but I realize that that thing affects our relationship. And sometimes, too, let's take some weekends away, you know, once a while. Plan. It's all about planning. If every year you decide, I want to plan and take my wife, my husband, it's not always that the husband must take the wife out. No. Sometimes the wife, too, I want to tell I want to take you out today. Sometimes take take each other out, surprise with the person. We can get away, get somebody to take care of the kids. Tell it go somewhere, nice hotel, be there for a day or two and come back home. You know, it was so encouraged that their life is like whew, everything takes a new shape. Hallelujah. This is one of the things I want to share with you. But the platform is open for the next 10 minutes. If anybody has anything question to ask, you are free to do so. Amen. Lord, Daddy, please pardon me. You said something here that you should take your wife for who she is. I should not complain, something like that. The thing will frustrate me myself. Praise Master Jesus. The all these young lady, you see them, they look good, they look cute, walking on the street, if not being inside their bedrooms. I mean, before you know, you find yourself being married to one of them. And coming to your house, they turn to something else. Washing their clothes become problem.
also say this. Uh, when you raise certain issues all the time, for example, what our brother said about the wives, the way she dresses. You are not going out with her because of, you told her point blank, I don't like the way you dress. Is that right? Please, is that so? Did you tell your wife that you didn't like the way she was, I mean, you stop. So you stop complaining. So, okay, then I'm not going out with you. That's fine. So there's so many ways that we can go about some of these uh, issues when it comes to certain characters and behaviors of our spouses. But please, let's also understand that there are certain things about us that your husband or your wife will draw your attention to, which you must do your best to stop. I beg you. Don't tell your husband or your wife he should accept you the way you are. No. It's not a good thing. It won't help you in your marriage. As far as we are living together as a couple, you may see things about me, I may see things about you. But when your attention is drawn to something that your spouse doesn't like, ask for grace to change. Because if you don't take care, it can affect your marriage. Certainly. You know you are proud. You are arrogant. You are some way. Your husband complain. Your wife complain. Please, the moment your attention is drawn to it, make sure you take steps and ask your partner to help you to be able to work on that particular challenge, on that, that particular character, or that particular thing that your spouse doesn't like. If you don't try to work on, on, on those things, it's very, very, very difficult for you to be able to happy, I mean, to be happy in your home. But if you're able to make adjustments and all that, by the you realize that you are doing very well in a marriage. And may the Lord help all of us. Sometimes also, Pastor uh, made a statement which really touched my heart. You try to happy yourself, but sometimes you must also understand that when it comes to marriage, our happiness is connected to each other. Very much. So if you realize that sometimes if your husband is not happy, you may not be happy. If you realize your wife is not happy, you may not. Don't be that careless type. That's for me. I'm always happy. Even if you are sad, I don't care. I'm the go-go type. Whatever. It should be in such a way that your happiness is connected to each other. That the other spouses, because if you don't take care, your partner may begin to think that you don't care about his or her particular, I mean, whatever he or she is going through. Because you are the yo-yo-yo type. Don't care about whatever happens to your spouse or whatever. So please, let's try as much as possible. Make sure you keep yourself happy. But you must also understand that when you keep your spouse happy, both of you will be very happy. But if you bring sadness to your spouse, know that no matter how you try to keep yourself happy, you end up becoming sad. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I pray that the Lord will also help us in that direction. Any other question? Adam. Please, if I get it right, you said um, um, you can change um, to suit your partner. But before you came to marry me, you know, dear Adam, dear, say naughty. Ole, Danny Oba. So, why must I change 
to suit you. That means say it's you your happiness, but not me my happiness. Who name said them do mbuadi? And no, but and you married like you said, the wife will wear short things and then they go out. You knew she she wears short things before you married her. You knew that was how she was. So why then now that you're married to her, you don't want her to wear the short things that attracted you, that you you, you like. Now you say because she's wearing short, you will not go out with her. I mean, well, that was what maybe maybe attracted you, and that is all you know. I am. So why must I to you, you, you get? Uh, <laughs> Please, um, I hope you understand my question. I, 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 I agree. You see, let me let me say this. Uh, a man may see you wearing a skirt, a short skirt, and look at how attractive you may be, and may marry you. But you must understand that it won't go far. No Christian or godly man will accept certain things about. Uh, sometimes the man may not be exposed or may not know certain things but it gets to a time that you realize that you make certain mistakes in choosing certain people as your married uh, partner and as time goes on but you know that as we live together as a couple you begin to see certain things about each other that you may not like that even you did not even see when you were dating madam is, um, is that right so these are some of the things. Before I married you, I think that if you, be, when you are working with a lady or a man, and you re, you identify certain things about that particular person, and you know they are not right, any man or woman in the right senses will draw that person's attention to it. Is that not so? You can't overlook the pride of your husband or your wife, the inability to say sorry. You know that this person has a particular problem, and you don't address it. And uh, you get into the marriage, now you are raising the issues about it. I think it mostly doesn't work like that. But even if your spouse didn't draw your attention to it when you were courting, I think that as far as he's calling for setting uh, change, you must do the best you can to be able to work on that. Other than that, it can create a whole lot of issues for you. I think, that, uh, please, I, I saw a hand there. Anybody? Yes, sir. Please, the last, after this one, the, the last one, then we are done. Praise the Lord. I have a question, as in, if you are in a relationship, maybe before you guys, before you both, both parties came to us in a relationship, you get in a strong, as in, so strong in, in, in godly things. You, as in, you, you both met each other in church. And as time goes on, and you find some certain character, maybe along, maybe with the girl, and you started having maybe worldly things that you, as a man, as you don't like it. What will you do, as in, as a man, to convince the the the, the, the lady that is? Because I focus already on the worldly things, but you you met her in Christianity way, but. Our attitude started changing gradually, gradually to the world. What do you do as a man to handle such thing? Um, I, I want to say this that um, sometimes before a person changes, maybe 
the kind of associations the person has found him or herself with. You know, sometimes you may be in a relationship and um or let me bring it let me bring my I use myself as an example. My husband and I for a very long time we were not drinking and stuff like that. We off alcohol. We used to drink a lot, but we stopped drinking. And then after a while we we and all some old friends came close to us. And then that was I mean years ago. I'm not now about seven years ago, eight years ago. And after the point that those people got close to us, realized that we're always drinking because they are they were they were wine lovers. Went to visit them in South Africa and then every evening we finished at least two or three bottles every evening, religiously, every evening. When they came to Ghana, they visited us and were like, So I was like, ah, why is that when these people come around every now and then we are drinking? So we had to cut them off. Sometimes it's associations. What the, who the person is actually your spouse or your, your, your fiancé or whoever you're dating out is getting connected to or getting, uh, getting fond of. So in some, oftentimes in case, such cases, you draw the personal attention that this thing, we didn't used to do this, but look at what you're you going. Draw the personal attention in a very caring and loving way. You know, draw the person's attention to the fact where the person is trained to. And also bear the person up in prayer. Hallelujah. Because if you don't, you don't sometimes they are not on, they are not aware by themselves that they're being, you know, swayed into back into the world. So it's your responsibility as a fiancé or as a boyfriend or as a spouse to draw their attention and bring them back online. Amen. I mean, Pastor Ezra said it all. I can see I'm coming. Um, you see, I mean, what you, you she she really said said or when she began, she said that. Every couple that I mean, any marriage that works out very well, should get more closer to God. And I mean, please, that's the bottom line. The more you get closer to God, the better your marriage becomes. Yeah. If your wife or your husband used to be worldly, and now she or he or she says he, he's changed, and now you are in the church, it doesn't mean that the person cannot still go back. But the more you get more closer to God, I mean, relating to God very well, the better your marriage uh, becomes. So when you find yourself in that situation, you just need to believe God. Talk to the person, pray about it, and uh, believe God for a change. But there is no way out of that marriage. As a pastor said, there is no, uh, divorce is not the answer. So never take divorce as the option for any challenge that you go through. In marriage, obviously. Okay, Daddy, I want to know. Um, it's good for you to choose somebody before God, or I should wait for God to choose me someone. Because maybe I decide to get somebody which is slim because I don't have body. Maybe I decide to get somebody which is obolo. So which is which? You know, to answer that question, the the last time that God chose. Um, a man, or a woman, or a, a spouse for, or God, God chose for a man. Man actually accused God for choosing for him because when Adam fell in the garden, and God was asking Adam, "Why did you eat the forbidden fruit?" He said, "The woman that you gave to me." So God said that he that finds a wife finds a good thing. So God will not choose your spouse for you. God will not choose your, but God will guide you through His word. So he's giving you 
what you have to the characteristics of a, of a virtuous woman who to look out for as a woman or as a wife or as a husband who to look out for he has given you the guideline but God will not choose take your hand and change this is your husband this is your wife no God will guide you through his way but he will not choose for you hallelujah it's your choice to choose amen and, and, and your choice must also be godly so godly choice so why am I choosing this lady why am I choosing this man please I hope you understand what I'm saying very very godly it should be godly so don't we look at the outer alone but uh, it should be a godly person. Very much important. If, because if you make the wrong choice, you live with it forever. The last question, then we are done. I was here. Please, my question is, is it right for your spouse or your partner to go through your phone without your consent? <laughs> it's, it's two-sided. <laughs> it's two-sided. It is. It, it's. There's no problem. There's nothing wrong if you don't have anything to hide. If you don't have anything to hide, my husband, I know my password to his phone. If, the, if there's transparency and there's trust, there's no problem. But if it becomes a problem when you have something to hide. And the other thing is that it is good to always give each other a little privacy. You know. You know, if you don't have, if they trust each other, there's, there's, you shouldn't have a problem with your spouse taking your phone. But I mean, sometimes, I remember I saw a video of uh, somebody, somebody's WhatsApp status, and he was in the bathroom and his phone was ringing, and he said mechanic. And then the, the wife picked the phone. As soon as he picked the phone, the husband said, that who was also a mechanic? He came out of the bathroom naked and was changing, chasing the wife for the phone. Was, ah, but he said, mechanic, why are you chasing me? Apparently, he was not a mechanic. Hallelujah. So I think that it's, 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 if you don't have anything to hide, it shouldn't be a problem. But I have a problem with where you password your phone, where you take your phone to the bathroom, you sleep with your phone. You, you know, these are some of the links that sometimes will cause a, 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 your spouse to want to look on. What is on the phone that you don't want me to see? Because you sleep with the phone. When you are sleeping, the phone is on, under your pillow. You're going to the bathroom. You're going to poo-poo. Your phone is by you. You will not leave the phone anywhere. It makes it as if the hand, you have something, there's something. And then the phone is under password. You've, every now and then you change your password. And it makes it suspicious. But if you don't have anything to hide, you know, I don't think I don't see any problem with it. Hallelujah. As long as we have each other, we, we, there are times my husband will give, give me his phone. We exchange chips. He put his phone in my this thing. Because we don't have anything to hide. So I, I think as if you there's transparency, you shouldn't have a problem with your spouse taking your phone, using Google. Sometimes they're just going to Google. You think they're going to WhatsApp. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, because of what we have, we don't want your spouse to see. But there should be transparency in marriage. There should be faithfulness in marriage. It's a blessing. Hallelujah. Daddy, please, anything to Thank you very much. Uh, there's nothing like uh, privacy in marriage. So when you are married, uh, there's nothing like private. This one, I want to have my privacy. How can a woman ask for privacy, a man ask for privacy? Everything should be open uh, when it comes to couple. So there is nothing that you should see as private or there's nothing that you can hide. And especially with this phone issue, it's really becoming a big problem in marriages today. And it's bringing all kinds of suspicions and all that, which does not really, really help. 
And uh, I pray that the Lord will help all of us. Amen. What are we telling Pastor Hesba? How many of us enjoyed the lesson tonight? Wow. So your night has been wonderful. Is that not so? Great. God bless you. Uh, our time is up. We just want to share a word of prayer briefly. Then the refreshment will come. Can you please rise to our feet? Uh, we just need two people. One single person to pray for all singles. And one married person to pray for all married couples. Please, can we be on our feet? So one single person should come forward. You want one single lady to pray for single ladies. One single man to pray for a single man. One married woman and one married man. Please volunteer to come, please. So at least we've learned how to make marriage work. Is that not so? Yeah, and you never struggle when you marry in Jesus' name. I said you never struggle when you are marrying or when you get married in the name of Jesus. Anybody? Please hurry up. Okay, Pastor Dan is praying for the single men. Let's go. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. Indeed, in your time, make everything beautiful. We ask for grace as single people, as single, that you help us to go through marriage according to your will. We ask for grace. We ask for enablement in the name of Jesus. I pray that, oh God, as single men and women, a year by this time, your purpose for our life through marriage will be made manifest. We thank you. We bless you. For us a prayer. Amen and amen, amen. Amen.